Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And in today's episode, Benji and I go deep into the topic of, but I need to release this idea of, but I need to masturbate because I, dot, 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 insert your excuse here. And so this is not a shaming conversation. It's not a judgment conversation. What we're trying to do is provide a counter narrative to the overwhelming narrative that is based off of justification that, hey man, if I want to, then I should, based on science, based on our experience. And the reason is because we think that leading a life of sexual integrity means leading a life of intentionality. And if you really measure your actions against your ideals, you might have some cleaning up to do. We all do, right? In order to really be a truly happy, fulfilled person. So we get into the weeds on this one because it's a really important topic because we believe in you and we want to give you our very, very best. So good luck listening, enjoy, and let us know what you think. We always love hearing your thoughts and your feelings based on the conversations that we start. We don't want it to stop with the podcast. We want to hear from you. So respond, please, if it touches you in any way. So let's get into, is it okay if I release? Welcome back, everybody. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Andy Rooney and... Hello, Drewman. It's Benji Oyama. Oh, hey, everybody. Your two favorite people. Your two favorites. If we had a radio show, you know I'd have one of those horns that go whack, whack. Oh, yeah. Coming back at you on the top of the hour. This hour, we've got a whole conversation about CX. Yep. Let's go. A lot of times, our podcasts are because I am obsessed with thinking and I cannot sleep at night unless I understand something that's important to me. So I have to process it. I have to study about it. I have to think about it. I have to grapple with it. Otherwise, I can't find peace. It's just my nature. I usually have some sort of discovery. And then I say, hey, Benji, can we talk about this? And he begrudgingly says, yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> he relents. I just wear him down. Actually, this week is sponsored by Benji's Brain. He had something that popped up in his world with what... somebody that he was talking to. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to grapple with this topic. And to be honest, Sammy and I touched on it before, but we have a lot more information this time around. We've thought about it more. And we have more insights to give you, which is why we're revisiting this important topic. So Benji, yeah. give us the context of this conversation. What did this yes, sure. say to you? I was in a conversation with a gentleman who is in the Spartan program, which is free, by the way, plug in for a free program. And so I was talking to him and he had a genuine question. Love this guy. I love you to death if you're listening. He was asking, so he said, I feel tendency to want to act out and watch porn when my wife and I are not sexually intimate for a long time. They have a young daughter. They're going through some stuff. And so he was asking me, like, isn't it justifiable to some extent to want to release, to have porn or even just masturbation in the situation where I'm not having sex? So that was our conversation. Yeah. And then I brought it to Andrew and I was like, we should talk about this because I gave him a whole full on presentation about this because I dealt with it, you know, in my own life with my wife. So, yeah, that's what we're getting into. You guys should have seen it. Benji, he had some tap shoes and he had a jacket with sequins and a really tall pointy yes. hat. He gave me a whole song and a dance. <laughs> so we wanted to delve into this. And here's an even more important reason why. That our culture, you have to understand that we live and exist and dwell within a culture 
that is bent on justifying itself. I just had a great conversation with somebody this morning. I realized able type psychology, cane type psychology. Us, an important delineation between the two is able type or positive psychology empowers the person to understand that they're not a victim, that things do happen to us, and in that we are a victim. But what we do with that information, what we do with those situations is actually up to us. And it's actually empowering because it means that you can influence your life. But the cane type is like, oh, you're a victim, here's some pills, because there's no way that you could cope with all this trauma. There's a lot of dichotomy between worldviews in the psychological world. And if you look up the topic of NoFap, or if you look up release, is it okay Mm -hmm. to release, or should I, shouldn't I? You're going to get a 99 to 1 ratio of people affirming the justification worldview, which is how dare you say that we're not allowed to pleasure ourselves because it's pleasure and hey, why not, right? We're not of the mind where anybody should ever shame themselves or feel it's a waste of time to feel hate towards yourself or regret or, or focus on that. But it is really important to understand how your actions impact your psychology, your physiology for better or for worse. And the information that we're getting from our culture is leading us towards our own isolation, feeling worse about life. You don't have to look very much further than how do you feel lately? How are your Mm. friends lately? It's getting worse, not better because of all these genius ideas that are out there. I think that's a really important litmus test for if something is healthy or not, regardless of what the Google searches or YouTube searches will tell you. The litmus test is how do you feel? Like, how does this affect you? Honestly, after you masturbate, honestly, do you feel like, yes, I'm ready to go to the gym. I'm ready to take on the world. It's like, no, literally deflated. Like, oh, I can't believe this. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? So how do you want to tackle this? Because there are a bunch of different ways that I think it's really important to understand this topic broadly and specifically. So Mm. broadly meaning from many different angles and specifically impacts of those different angles. So when you were thinking about this, what struck you as being an yeah. absolute truth? I want to go back to this point you made about one of the factors that contribute to why it's such a widespread belief that masturbation and porn is healthy. And if you ask the general public, is it healthy or is it wrong? People say, yeah, it's great. It's exploring yourself. And one of the reasons is because if you do any Google search, and I actually spent a good few hours doing this, just searching on different platforms, especially Google, I search specifically for what are the harms of masturbation? What are the harms of porn? And every time the first article is what are the benefits of <laughs> masturbation and porn? And so there are yeah. entire articles by Medical News Today, just to name one, WebMD, that state a bunch of reasons why it's healthy and could be beneficial, possibly beneficial to masturbate and watch porn. And then guess what? At the very end of all these articles, there's a big disclaimer that says, but if you develop a compulsive behavior and addiction to this behavior. And if you have all these side effects, which include you're distracted, you can't focus, you've tried to stop and you can't. And I'm like, this is exactly what everybody who <laughs> has a point of masturbation have. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, I can stop whenever I can. It's like, okay, well try it for 90 days, try it for one month and let me know how you do. So I think that's one of the contributing factors is like you said, you cannot be anywhere on the internet without people saying like, oh, it's totally fine. All these professionals and news outlets are saying it's totally normal and fine. Right. It's also important to understand the evolution of this. And we can include these articles or reach out to us, actually, if you're really interested in this, to reach out to us and we can give you some articles. But I remember reading 
that back in the day, it was about a hundred years ago, let's call it 87 years ago, there was somebody because of Kinsey and all this, Kinsey had this Alfred Kinsey. He was a bug doctor who decided to popularize dysfunction. He was really trying to popularize this idea that we're all sexual deviants because he himself was a sexual deviant. So then he thought that everybody had to be. So he did some flawed studies, which basically were trying to prove that he was right. He only interviewed prostitutes and people who were freshly out of jail. He didn't interview (laughs) everybody else. But basically he was trying to prove that everybody was either gay or everybody had some sort of weird fetish. But similarly, at around the same time, there's somebody that was trying to also prove this. So they went on to college campuses and they started doing surveys with college people at the time. Let's call this the 1940s. Could have been the 30s, could have been the 40s. Again, we're not going to link the article. You're going to reach out to us and I'll give you the article if you really want. But basically what they found is that at that time, not many people were having premarital sex. More interesting, not that many people were really masturbating at that time. Mm -hmm. But then what happened, the evolution is shortly after that in the 1950s was Playboy magazine came out. Now, Playboy wasn't just about showing naked pictures. It was more words than it was pictures, if you look at it. And every single one of these words was trying to do exactly what Kinsey was doing, which is back in the day, which is to justify a worldview, which is this is what's cool. This is what's right. Anything that's not this is lame and Christian and religious. And it's <laughs> from a Freudian and Kinseyan perspective, which is it's dysfunctional to repress any urges, which imagine a society where people don't repress their urges. That's called chaos. That's called like, I feel like shooting you. And so you shoot somebody. We're meant to act, we're sentient beings. So we're supposed to be able to control our emotions and our urges. It's important to understand that we arrived here not by accident, but there's been some very calculated narratives that have been propagated again and again and again into the popular culture. And at that time, you can imagine that back in the day of Kinsey, back in the day of when Playboy was released, you're dealing with a very Christian nation where nobody was talking about sex. A lot of people were repressed. They weren't having great sex because their religious leaders were too afraid to talk about sex. Our movement knows why, because of a lot of shame and all this stuff. So there's nobody talking about sex. And then all of a sudden, the people who are talking loudly about sex are saying, it's very natural to have Mm. sex with anything that moves, whatever you want, whenever you want. And also a part of that is whenever you have a sexual urge, act on it. So that means masturbation is not only okay, it's urgently important. And Mm. so from that point on, our world has been, the Western society has been shaped by this flawed viewpoint that's been based off of bunk science. But people raced to believe rather than raced to weigh the balance of whether this is good for us or not, okay? Just like with internet porn, nobody stopped to say, is this a good idea? It's just like, release the hound in Pandora's box. So when you Google, you have to understand that Googling is based off of information now that has been progressively justifying this particular action without real strong pushback or peer review or thought. Because we just accepted this to be a truth without actually looking deeply inside. So, of course, because, you're going to yeah. get a certain response. Statistically speaking, the people that are writing these articles, making these videos, are masturbating, watching porn, right? Yeah. So, yeah. statistically, yes. <laughs> so, there's very, very, very little incentive for people to look deeply into it. Very little. And the people yeah. that do have incentive to and really want to, crazy and weirdos, like you are saying. 
in the porn industry itself. It's a $100 billion industry that has very, very, very little incentive to actually look into the harms of what they're doing. Let's get into this. So there's yeah. the question. The fundamental question is, is it a good idea? Is it okay? It's like, that's a moral issue and we're not here to tell you what's good yeah. or bad. Is it like, does it lead you to where you want to go is a much better yeah. question. So let's talk about I mean, that. This is my heart. I don't care about what people are saying as much as I do with the fact that there are so many people in our world that are struggling their brains out and have identified that they don't want this habit in their life. It causes so much pain and torment, but they still continue to choose to use porn and masturbation and other sexual behaviors. I think my heart is like, I'm going to focus on those people for now. And sure. we can have conversations with people that are on the fence about like, is this okay or not? But this guy in particular, he joined this program, Spartan program, which is free. <laughs> And he has this genuine question, like honest question. And I had the same question. If I'm not sexually active with my wife, is it justifiable to masturbate and watch porn? So the first question I asked, okay, what do you want? That's integrity. You cannot justify or argue against what you want. Like, what does your heart want? And if someone says, oh, you should masturbate and watch porn, you should drink and do drugs. It's fine. It's normal. But if you're like, well, I don't want to. And that's why when people ask me personally, do you drink? I'm like, no, why not? Because I don't want to. That's it. I don't have to make some moral reasoning or spiritual reasoning. It's just like, I don't want to. That's it. And that's who I choose to be. That's not judgment on anybody. So to the same degree but if of- you, if, you, yeah. if you dig deeper then, because what you were initially saying, I completely agree with is the reason you don't want to is because there's a person that you are striving to be. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yes. A lot of times what you want to do in the moment or generally isn't exactly in alignment with the person that you're striving to be. Right. But you're not drinking, you're not PMOing is not just based off of some arbitrary feeling. It's based yeah. off of a connection to the man that you're striving well, to become. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. That's exactly my point. I just wanted to clarify, like that's an example of one side of this coin of why integrity is such an important concept. Because if you have integrity, you can answer the question, what do I want? And any question that comes to your mind to justify, oh, it's okay to masturbate occasionally. Oh, it's okay to masturbate without porn. Oh, it's okay to watch porn once a year. Well, then put the filter on your eyes, the lens through which you can look at it as, is this what I want? This is the person yeah. I want. But I think I would take it to another level. If you're a person of faith, it's like, okay, what does God want? Because it's not just what I want and what I want. Because yeah. you could just find say, well, I want to just sleep around. Well, I just want to watch porn all day. Then I'm living with integrity. It's like, no. Which is why as people of faith, having that understanding of God and relationship with God is critical because you see things beyond just what gratifies me and what's good for me in the moment. Because usually if we follow what's good for me in the moment, it doesn't lead societally to something that's good, right? Anyways, I'm putting this framework around this conversation I had with this guy in the program. And so I gave him three points to consider. You know, when he's considering, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? And whatnot. And the justifications are real. It's not just, do I masturbate or not? It's like, do I slip up and relapse? Now, because I've been clean for like three months, isn't it okay to do it once in a while? That's a clear justification and reason and thought process that people go through. So for those people, I would say it's the same thing. I think number one, this guy and many guys have, are conflating two things that are actually not related, which is that pornography is sexual. It's not. And we've talked about this quite a bit. They believe that watching porn and masturbating is a sexual experience and that's why they're addicted to it. And they think like, oh, I have a high sex drive. And that's why I have a porn habit. And they point to that as the factors. Oh, I have a high sex drive. But if you think of porn and masturbation as an isolating experience, and then you consider a sexuality, absolute sex as a connective experience, in those senses, deep down what they are, they're total polar opposites. Because sexuality connects to people, connects you with someone. And pornography, PMO, actually isolates you more and more. 
And if people don't agree with that, then you're going to have to talk to someone who's a true addict and ask them, look at me eyes. And do you feel more connected or isolated when you watch porn? People who are really struggling yeah. with this do. So that's my first point is just want to say like opposites. Do you have any comments on that? No, it's very true. This idea of having a high sex drive. If you look what's behind sex, you have to understand that there's always an emotional sponsor to feeling sexual. So mm. a lot of times it's like, oh, your high sex drive? Actually, you have a high connection drive. You really like connecting with people, but you're using sex. And you're mm. using porn as a way to feel connected for a bit, but you're not getting mm. enough, which is why you're doing it so much. And it's still not satiating you. So it could be you have a low self-esteem. <laughs> I just yeah. don't value myself very much. <laughs> And that's actually fueling your sex drive. The sex is always the result. You have to see and understand that. Otherwise, you'll just see it as a spontaneous, like love. Like, I'm in love with you. Oh, no, no, no. You got to have to understand what is behind these emotions. Otherwise, you're just going to be completely possessed by these feelings without any understanding. That's what children do. That's really immature thinking. So to have a high drive of something is like, what's the actual emotion behind that drive? So... That's a really good point, a good delineation, because what your high sex drive in air quotes is telling you is that there's something else that is really strong, a strong desire that you have, but you're meeting that natural need in a very unnatural way. Because yes, sex in isolation is oxymoron. So please understand that the purpose of sexuality is to connect us to our highest potential, to real people to bonding with another human being and devoid of that it's actually just science i love this guy andrew huberman i've been following him for a while he's becoming quite popular and he's just like this very unbiased scientist who just studies a bunch of peer-reviewed stuff and then does a podcast speaking in actual english so that we can understand because i don't know if you've ever read peer-reviewed studies but it's like mm. uh, mandarin it's really hard to understand He's very clear that what you're doing when you're masturbating in particular is you're creating an open loop because you're not bonding to anything. So you're seeking bonding and you're releasing. In the case of men, you're releasing, but it's not conjoint with humanity. So you're not getting the serotonin that you would from bonding with a real person. So it's like releasing into a void and nothing comes back to you, which is why you never feel like it's enough and it's why it's never satisfying and this is from a scientific yeah. like neurological chemical based perspective yeah. it's very clear that you're not getting the rewards that you're seeking after and the pursuit of this thing actually becomes the true addiction it's not the release it's everything building up to that it's that expectation that you think it's going to give you and every time it doesn't deliver and yet you come back again and again same thing with mm. drugs it's like oh I just need one more hit of the thing. If that's not the case, you're going to need another and another and another, right? So if you really see the imagery of looking for a connection, that's ultimately what you're looking for, and you release it kind of like casting out a radio signal, but it goes out into an empty space and nothing ever comes back. So you're only ever sending out signals, never receiving, because the signals we get are the pheromones that the other person releases in the actual act of sex. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. 
We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're gonna really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks, back to the show. So when you're actually bonding with someone, having real sex, you're releasing chemicals that you can actually experience from the other person, which makes you feel better about life, better about that person. You love them more. You love yourself more. Feel Like if you're coming from the right place, you're having sex from a healthy place. But you release all these natural endorphins and pheromones, which is not the case when you masturbate. Yeah, I was laughing because speaking of feeling not filled up, we went to McDonald's last week with the kids. We don't go often. There is me justifying my McDonald's use. Anyways, uh, I bought two McChickens. I was like, okay, great. They're 500 calories each. That's good. That's all I need. I ate two McChickens. I was like, man, I am still so hungry. (laughs) And so I bought another McChicken for 500 calories. And I was like, my goodness, this is exactly what porn and drug addicts are like. And I just couldn't feel filled up no matter how many McChickens I ate. This is crazy. I can go 1,000 calories over what I need for a meal and still feel like I'm hungry. And also feel greasy and your body didn't get any nutrients from the transaction. Also to speak to the woman, because initially all I had was male references and there's actually not that much science data about female masturbation. But I want to also caution people because there's a growing narrative online that you can use masturbation. There's a lot actually more women as a way of connecting with your divinity. I was researching for this episode. And there's something called sexual manifestation. Basically, use sex as a way to get what you want out of life. You know what that's called? It's called (laughs) prostitution. But you are, again, never satiating the purpose of the act itself, which is bonding and connection. You cannot because you're bonding with something that's like a cloud. You can never grab a cloud. You can't hug it. It's amorphous. It's always shifting, just like a fantasy, just like a dream. It never gives you back what you send out. And so this is true of both men and women. But all the science is really on the side of men for now. Mm. I guess they're more overt about it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Two more points. If our sisters are listening, and this is helpful for you guys, let us know so that we know that this is actually good for everybody. That's actually helpful feedback. If not, then let us know that and we'll try to get some different perspectives on it. All right. Okay. So the other point I made to this gentleman is actually something that you hit on, which is that guys are fed this belief that I'm addicted to porn because I have a high sex drive. And when I talk to them, I'm like, or it's because I'm not having sex. And therefore, if I don't have sex for a long time with my wife, then I have a desire to go act down and watch porn. But actually, you don't have a high sex drive. You've been trained to be aroused by specific types of content. And so that you believe that that's what a sex drive is. So I made this differentiation between what is a genuine sex drive and artificial sex drive. An artificial sex drive is based on training. And if I ask you, are you able to look at your wife with her fully clothed, just no makeup, messy hair, and be genuinely aroused by that? And if not, then that means there's something going on that you've trained yourself to be attracted to a specific type of thing or a specific type of person. Are you able to look at people who are not supermodel attractive and be like, wow, that person's really beautiful, genuinely, yeah. right? Man, woman, doesn't matter. Or is it like, no, I only find that this type of person with this type of face or this type of skin color or this type of thing is attractive? Then I'm sorry, that's not genuine attraction. That's trained attraction. That's trained arousal. And I think people try to conflate the two and think like, oh, because I have a high sex drive, I'm always aroused. It's like, no, you're just trained to be aroused by specific types of things. And that's what's going on. Yeah, exactly. The whole Pavlov's dog thing was... The experiment was 
when Pavlov rang the bell, he would feed the dog so that every time after a certain amount of training that he rang the bell, the dog would actually start to produce saliva, which is always a precursor to eating. Saliva is there to help break down the food, you know, in terms of acid to make it gentler on the throat and the stomach. It's always the precursor to eating is saliva. Ring the bell, produce saliva. So the dog's body is now trained to expect food substantially by drooling, essentially, right? So that's exactly like you're trained to be aroused by what's called template-centric sexuality, which is what a therapist in our friend circle, I guess you'd call him, talks about is true sexuality is person-centric. I give my sexuality to that person, that one person. Whereas what porn does is it gives us template sexual desire. Every time I see somebody like this, girls with tattoos, girls with a certain haircut or whatever, it gets a turn on. That turn on means that you've been trained by culture to have a certain sexual reaction to certain stimulus, mm. exactly like Pavlov's dog, which is crazy because there's a physiological response to an expectation. My body primes me for something that I expect mentally. So I'm so convinced that it's going to happen. So my body gets me ready. Think about that. And women have the same thing, right? We had this conversation and I experienced this in my own life. So that's why I really resonated with this. The third point that we talked about and I mentioned was very interesting. I think eye-opening for this guy and a lot of guys. He started talking about how his primary trigger for going back to porn and masturbation in his life was when he and his wife were arguing or not seeing eye to eye or not in a loving relationship on that day and fighting in other words. I was like, okay, interesting. It's very normal. It causes stress and he tends to want to run away when he's feeling stress and numb that stress with porn and masturbation, right? And then he started saying that, but when my wife and I are having sex, connective and sexual relationship, I don't want to watch porn. So his conclusion was that he doesn't want to watch porn because he's having a sexual release with his wife. And I was like, oh, interesting. I actually don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the correlation, the correct correlation. I think that's a factor, the biological factor. I think the actual biggest contributor is the fact that you guys are in a good relationship. Yeah. You're in a loving relationship when you're having sex. And when you're in a loving relationship, the chances of you feeling empty and wanting to run away and escape are very low. And that's why you don't want to watch porn when you're in a sexual relationship. I was like, because you told me that when you feel stressed in your relationship, you want to watch porn. So when you're feeling not stressed in your relationship and you love each other, and it's not about the sex, actually, actually, you guys are just in a good place together. And in those times, you just don't feel like escaping and run away. Yeah, you're cementing your love with the sex. We've talked about that in the past. This is a cautionary example that if you have sex without the love, it actually makes you feel more isolated, mm -hmm. which is what hookup culture is producing a lot of. But it happens within relationships too, where maybe one person is more objective and the other person is more subjective. And one person gets coerced or pressured into sex, that actually makes the couple feel more estranged from one another because their hearts aren't in it and they're having the act without the actual purpose of the act, which is bonding and mm. connection. You were pointing out is important. It was the love and the acceptance that was actually making him not want to escape his life because he was being accepted by somebody. Short side note, I've told this to my wife so many times that the best that I feel is when you accept me because I don't care about what anybody in the whole world thinks of me. I honestly don't really. Sometimes mm. like here and there, if somebody says something, it'll be like, oh, ouch. 
it just kind of like flies off eventually. I don't get really down about my wife. I really care if she's lifting me up. I feel like a king. And when she treats me like her servant, I feel like I'm in the dumps. And sometimes she does. It's really important to note that the way back, the road back to restoring love is the kind of soil. And the sex is the seed in the soil. And it's so important to first have the buildup of hearts together and spirits together and minds together before the bodies get together. That's a part of one of the talks that we give. It's not just a fancy graphic that we show. It's fundamentally important. Otherwise, if the bodies start and the other components aren't there, your minds aren't in it, your hearts aren't in it, your souls aren't in it, it's going to be a negative experience that will drive you further apart rather than unite each other. So not only is it important that this guy is experiencing sex with his wife, but it's loving bonding that he's actually experiencing that makes him not want to run away from all the pain that he's experiencing from the stress of being in a yeah, fight with I his do. wife. Yeah, and we're bringing this up, bringing up examples not to pinpoint anyone, just to be clear, because it's I don't even know who this dude is, by the it's way. It's so... so freaking comment and Andrew and I resonate so much in our own experiences a lot of time. So it's just helpful. It really is helpful for everybody. So everyone just feels comfortable that if they talk to us, we're not going to, we don't talk about your name or who you are or anything like that. That was your third point. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing that I realized in talking with men is that there are all these factors that contribute to porn addiction. There's the brain stuff. There's the industry. There's the fact that men are this way and women are that way. But I feel like if we only focus on the single factors, we're not actually getting to the root issue. We're not actually getting to the single reason, the biggest contributor to why we tend to want to escape and run away. And for this guy, it's the understanding of stress and the understanding of mood regulation. Because you could point figures and say, oh, it's because I'm not physically having ejaculation or it's because I'm a dude or it's because this or that. The porn industry is the devil, whatever. Spirituality is like, yeah, those are all contributors, but it's not why you choose to do something that is destructive to you, even though you don't want to do it. Absolutely. I think, honestly, mental regulation, emotional regulation, and spiritual regulation is going to be the only way to survive the coming decades. Mm. I think things are going to become so unfamiliar for most people, because everything is changing so rapidly, we're in this exponential era where everything around us is changing so fast that if you can't find comfort within your own skin, you're going to be so uncomfortable within your own life that escapism will be your only way to survive, but it will be the death of your soul. And so to be able to manage all of these thoughts and feelings that all the stress that's accumulating in your life, if you can't manage all this stuff, you will be living a life of escapism. And the price of escapism is a lack of connection to your purpose, to your soul. And you miss out on the eternal nature of life, right? So it's not optional. It's becoming less and less optional, let's just say that. I would wager in the next five, 10 years, it's going to be so important that so many people are going to either be forced to one side or the other, either just completely be a slave to some sort of drugs or some sort of thing outside of them to regulate them or that they're going to realize how to regulate themselves. And so if you are committed to a high noon life, it's really the commitment to understanding the emotions that are driving your behaviors, the thoughts that are driving your behaviors and working on building healthy thoughts and healthy emotions so that you don't need to escape your life anymore. 
And if you do that, you'll be way ahead of the rest of the pack and you'll be a natural leader in society and you'll be able to help so many people. Otherwise, you're just going to be one of many people struggling their brains out day to day. Living in the metaverse with everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just wanted to bring up, I sent Benji a couple of videos that I was consuming that were really helpful. And one of them was that guy, Dave Asprey. And for any of you who know, he's the guy that I think came up with Bulletproof Coffee. He's like one of those biohackers, those nerds that all he thinks about every day is like which supplement he's taking and how it's impacting his life and which new device he can use to sleep better and all this stuff. So he's obsessed with that. He has a podcast about it. That's his whole character that he brings to this world. And so he was talking about this topic about masturbation and he was talking about how Taoism actually has a formula, mathematical formula about how often you should release. And it's based off of your age. There's a few factors, but it really turns out to a certain number. And so he was like, this is a bunch of wishy-washy nonsense. He's a real science guy, but he lived a year to see if there's any validity to these claims. And what he found was absolutely the case. So after a year of asking his wife forgiveness for not having enough sex and not masturbating (laughs) and really comparing and contrasting the states of when he was masturbating and what he wasn't, he said it wasn't even close that when he was retaining his semen, when he was refraining from a releasing, he was far more productive, far more clear-minded. He just showed up in the world as a powerhouse. And yet when he released, he was brain fog, just wishy-washy. It was harder to keep his commitments. And so this is from somebody who's like a human guinea pig, self-proclaimed and very thorough also in the way that he studies certain phenomena. And so the two examples that we're using are one is a neuroscientist, Andrew Huberman, and the other was this guy, Dave Asprey, who's just a human guinea pig both leading to the same ultimate conclusion that when you have these open loops and you're releasing into the nothingness, you lose power because there's no reciprocation. You're not getting any feedback. Do you have anything else before we No, we're good. A lot of the focus was on men, but we touched on women a little bit, but you know, we're dudes, so we only know what we know. Plus the science really only is largely about men. So if you have any suggestions or any thoughts on this topic yourself, please let us know. Please reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram. I'm posting every day on Instagram, basically. I'm trying to catch up just to have a presence out there. But you can reach us on our emails via email. But just let us know. Email at admin at highnoon.org. But ultimately, we hope this was helpful. And we know sometimes hearing this is kind of more high level. And it's to help you start to make the decision of whether you want this thing in your life or not. And if you do want it, then to join a program is pretty essential. To join a Spartan group, a boot camp, or just an Ascend group or something, to have a support system is going to be pretty necessary. And here's why. A couple of weeks ago in my group, we realized, because there's a guy that really had a slap in the face and he could see finally that what porn was doing to his life and what masturbation was doing to his life. And he's like, okay, I think I'm ready to get rid of this. And then he started to get this sinking feeling in his stomach like he was going to lose his best friend. And it was almost as though the feeling of mourning, of the sadness of the death of a good friend. Because that's what it's like to give up a source of comfort that's been 
a reliable escape from life, usually for people for like 10 plus years, right? Yeah. So if you do actually want to get rid of porn masturbation, then please join a group because you're going to have to work through how to efficiently rewire yourself and recondition yourself to be the type of person that doesn't need that, the type of person that copes with life as it comes rather than escapes. And that mm -hmm. takes self-reflection and it takes support. So please consider joining a group. We have them ongoing. Every quarter we have new launches. So look out for that. Take it seriously, okay? Yeah, check it out, highnoon.org if you want to join any of the programs. Sweetness. Thank you, everybody. I hope this is helpful. And as always, Benji Lots loves you and I really, really like you. Lots God of likes you like. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice, first of all, we have a brand new website, which is beautiful. And also, you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. We are better together, and sexual integrity involves other people. Okay, if you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters, of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person that can live according to their values in the area of sexuality and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting in the same way, then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible. And we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity as a cultural intention. So go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there. Thank you.